Well, good morning, everyone. My name's Chris, and uh, we are so glad that you are here this morning. And um, we really value uh, missions here at the JAR. We value uh, being able to serve people uh, internationally and nationally and uh, locally as well. And if you would, I'd like you to pull out this little uh, uh, insert that says missions information on it. If you can uh, pull it out. Um, this might be really cool or it might be really dumb, but we're going to try it for a second, okay? We're going to start the wave with these, okay? Starting from this side over here, we're going to work our way this way, okay? So let's see if it works. It may not, okay? This is all, we're going to start right here, and everyone, we, we will stand and we will wave that way, okay? On the count of three. One, two, three. Okay. So, what I want you to do is not just wave that and then throw this away, okay? What I want you to do is actually read this and be a part of something that could be really, really fun. We value missions here. Some people who are new are right now like, dude, I'm not coming back next time. I'm not going to do the wave, okay? That's all right. You don't have to next time. We only do it on uh, the fourth Sunday of each year. So that's it. Um, but you can be a part of this. And so what I want to encourage you to do is if you're interested in the trip to Jamaica, on February 11th, uh, we're actually having a meeting on that from 1015 uh, till church starts. And so if you want to be a part of that, that would be great. Now, if you're a person who's like, well... I like the concept of going on a mission trip, but I'm not sure I'd have enough money to do it or there's some things that wouldn't work. There are multiple ways that we serve people with missions uh, here, not just internationally, but they'll have a trip uh, in the Midwest. Usually we go to Kentucky or somewhere where we serve in Appalachia. That'll be coming up. Uh, Or also we serve locally at uh, the Second Harvest Food Bank where we uh, help with them once a month. So there's a lot of stuff there. But if you're like, hey, I think I might be interested in that, what I'd like you to do is pull out your Connect card. It looks like this. Pull that out and just put your name and your email address. Give us your information. And uh, if you want to be able to learn more about missions, what I'd like you to do is check the upper uh, left-hand corner or right-hand corner where the Uh, blue boxes. And if you check that, basically all you're doing is saying, hey, could you keep me up to date when you guys do different missions? uh, And I want to be a part of that. And uh, when the offering goes by, just put that in uh, and we can go from there. Um, Now, this is the truth, folks. We don't exist to serve ourselves. We actually exist to serve other people. And so uh, if you could be a part of that in a local way or a national way or international way, that would be great. Um, But February 11th, come and be a part of that. Now, today is a real exciting day as well, because today is the first day that we are going to have a middle school experience. Uh, So in other words, uh, our middle school students will have an opportunity to learn uh, from Uh, Don, who is our uh, student ministry director, and uh, I know some of you are like, oh, you're crying that you're not going to be able to listen to me the whole time, Uh, but you'll be all right. 
But if you'd like to be a part of that, uh, if you want to leave right now, Don's in the back, and uh, any middle school student that would like to be a part of that, they can. Uh, it'll be in the large exercise room, and you can go back there, and uh, she will get you plugged in. And then also, uh, we are going to, uh, you can, parents, you can pick them up in the large exercise room uh, after that, okay? Uh, some middle school students may be like, uh, I'll do it once you start praying. So I'm getting ready to pray, and then you can sneak out that way, okay? So let's pray before we dive in today. Let's pray. Loving God, we know that you are the God of the whole world and that you love your people and that you love your people from far away and you love your people here close. And we ask right now, God, that people who are hurting through the world, uh, that you would send your mercy and grace to them. And I pray right now, God, for each person in this room. I pray, God, that you would help us today to quit living in fear and to know that you are with us and you are for us and we do not have to be afraid. So Holy Spirit, we ask right now that you would come and meet with each person who is here, that through your spirit, God, you would help them to be set free from fears today. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you are like most people, chances are that you have battled one or many different fears in your life. And many of us actually go through life and we are simply living a life of fear. Now, what's interesting is I read this week that when you uh, are first born as a baby, that babies are typically only afraid of two things. The first is that they are afraid of uh, loud noises. And secondly, they're afraid of falling. And so those are the only two fears that we have when we are a child, when we're a baby. Now, what happens is as we grow up, all of a sudden we accumulate more and more fears. For example, how many of you would say that you were afraid of the dark maybe as a child? You were afraid of the boogeyman. You were just afraid of any of that. Okay. Several of them. Okay. Now, how many of you growing up as a child were afraid of snakes? How many of you were afraid of snakes? More hands. Look at that. Kind of afraid of snakes. Don't want to see one. I'm going to pull out the snakes now. No, I'm joking. I was, I was down in uh, Appalachia one time and it was like, snake handling tonight. I was like, whoa, you know, no snakes, folks, no snakes. All right. Uh, how about thunderstorms? How many of you were afraid of thunderstorms growing up, run into mom and dad's room? Hey, you know, I'm, I'm afraid of that. Okay. Well, my sister growing up, she was afraid of spiders. And uh, one particular uh, day, uh, we were, uh, my parent or my mom and my sister, they took me out uh, to eat at a famous place in Marion, Indiana, uh, to celebrate me getting my driver's license. It was called Mr. Steak. Now, what do you think they served at Mr. Steak? Chicken. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> their chicken was much better than their steak. But on this particular day, we had steak anyways. 
And we were, uh, we were done. Everything's gone. I, I go out to my 1979 Pontiac uh, Grand Prix, and I get in the car. My, my sister is beside me. My mom's in the back. And I get ready to start the car. And just as I'm getting ready to start the car, this is what I hear. Ah! That shocks some of you right now, you know. And it shocked me. And my sister literally jumped out of the window. She went out of the window. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, she's making fun of my driving. I just got my license. This dirty rat is doing this. Called my sister. I'm done with this. And she's like, get down, Chris. Get down. Like this fear. And so I get down. I think people are shooting at us. Like there's like ammunition coming. And so I'm, I'm down like this. And then all of a sudden, she's like, no, 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 serious, stay down. I'm like, come on, what's going on? So I kind of peek up over the steering wheel, and there's an itsy-bitsy spider going across the dash. But she has struggled with arachnophobia the entire uh, time of her life. Uh, it's interesting. She's a vet tech, though, so she deals with animals all the time. Like, a little spider a little scares you, doesn't it, you know? Um, now, growing up as a kid, I wasn't afraid of very many things, um, but it's uh, interesting as I've become an adult, there is one thing that I've really become afraid of, and that is skyscrapers. Um, I was never really afraid of heights so much um, until uh, three years ago, we went to the Willis Tower in Chicago, uh, it used to be the Sears Tower, and I had gone up this tower dozens of times uh, growing up and was not afraid of it at all. Uh, on the observation, I was the kid, you know, had put their head all the way there, wasn't afraid of anything. But now that I have children, they have actually added something to the building called the ledge. It's a four-foot um, patio balcony that uh, you can see all the way down, all the way down, 1,353 feet. And my children who were five and seven at the time, they go out and they lay down on the balcony. And they're like, Daddy, come out. It's fun. And so I walked out to the ledge, and then all of a sudden, I started panicking. My heart started racing. I thought it was going to die. And um, my wife could tell. I mean, she's a doctor, and so she could tell, like, this is not going good. She said, your face turned white. She had to take me back out to a bench. She's like, I'm hyperventilating. She's like, no, no, put your hands over your head. You know, all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, I'm trying to be a cool dad that's not afraid of anything until both of them come over to me with their little hands as I'm sitting on this bench, and they say, Daddy, just take a hold of our hands, and we'll help you. And I said, yes, you will. We're going down the elevator right now. (laughs) And we got out of that place, okay? Now, the reality is, folks, all of us have fears, many different fears that we have. And uh, I just want to talk about four common fears here at the very beginning. Here's the first one. You can pull out your program, and as we go along, if any of these affect you, just check them, okay? Take a pen, just check it off. Here's the first one, the fear of loss. A person has a fear of losing someone or something that's important to them. For many of you, if you're married, maybe you're afraid of losing your spouse or uh, something that really weighs on you every time you think about your spouse and you you fear losing them. 
Or if you're a parent, uh, you probably have had this experience before where you fear that you're going to lose them, that they're going to die or something bad's going to happen. They're going to get hurt. Or maybe for some of you, it's a fear of financial loss, that you're going to lose your job. Or financially, uh, your investments are just going to go down the drain. And for some of us, it's the fear of losing control. We're control freaks. And we like everything to be a certain way. And when it is not a certain way, we are not happy. Okay? And so uh, we freak out anytime something gets moved or something's changed or something is different. How many of you would say that, you know what, I have had a battle before with the fear of loss? How many of you would say that? Hey, that's mine. Okay, you can check that off. Here's the second thing. The fear of failure. The fear of failure. This is a feeling that we have uh, when we think we're inadequate. Uh, We think that uh, maybe somehow we wouldn't be good enough to be able to win at whatever it is that we're trying to go after. So, for example, maybe for some of you, you're sitting there and you're like, I've always wanted to go on a mission trip before, but I've just always been afraid that I would fail. That if I uh, took the money to do that, then I wouldn't have money for something else. Or if I went and I was helping, I wouldn't have the gifts or the talents. I would be a failure to them. And so you've never done that. But today would be the day that in the upper right-hand corner, you could check that off. It doesn't commit you to anything, but you're just saying, hey, I want to be a part of that. And then afterwards, if you have any questions at the missions team, there's a big banner right back here, and there's a table that uh, they would love to answer any of your questions. Now, maybe for others of you, uh, you have a fear of failure because of applying for a new job or of uh, maybe going back to school, and you're like, I would just not be good enough. Uh, I would not be able to do it. How many of you would say right now that you have battled a fear of failure? That's you. Just check that. Check that off. Many of us battle with this next thing, and that is a fear of rejection. A fear of rejection. Some of you uh, who are guys, you'd really like to invite a girl out on a date, but you're afraid that they're going to say to you, why would I go out with you? Okay? And so there's this fear that you have that you're afraid to do that. Some of you uh, have a fear maybe perhaps within your marriage. I fear that my husband is going to leave me. I fear that my wife is going to leave me. Some people are paralyzed with the sense of trying to be a people pleaser of other people. And so they have a fear of rejection. I want everyone to like me. And so I want them to think that I'm a good person. And so you're constantly worrying about, I wonder if they'll like my hairstyle. I wonder if they'll like the way I walk. I wonder if they like the way I talk. I wonder if I'm important enough to be a part of their little group. And we go through life worried because we're fearful that someone is going to reject us. I see it in the church all the time. One of the greatest fears that people have in the church is inviting somebody else to church. And the reason why they fear inviting someone else is because they fear rejection. If I go to my friend or someone in my family or a coworker or a neighbor and I invite them, they're going to think I'm a Bible uh, pounder or they're going to think that I'm holier than thou or they're going to think that I think that their life is really messed up and they need to get it together. And so what happens is we go through life and we never invite someone, even though if someone were to ask you, do you believe in God and do you think the church is important? You would say yes and yes. And then when you'd say, well, do you invite anyone? You go, well, I don't want to be rejected. 
So a couple of years ago, we developed a strategy to help people like me, and maybe like you as well, who are scaredy cats, to maybe take a little bit more risk. It's called Circle of Three, and basically what this is, is for you to think of three people in your life. It could be a neighbor, co-worker, friend, anyone who's disconnected from Christ or the church, and to just write their name down and to simply start praying for that person. That each day for one minute, you pray for that person. And then uh, you connect with them already, whether it's in work, in your neighborhood, with friends or family, and you do that. And then finally, uh, you invite them regularly. Your friends want to know what's going on in your life and how you can impact their lives, and so for you to do that. So, Uh, What I'd like to do is I want to give you some time right now to think of three people that you could invite. Three people. Maybe you can only think of one today or two or three, but three people that's going to be a part of your influence that you can do that. Now, I never ask you guys to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself first. And so we're going to put up on the screen my three people, and here they are. One is Troy, and one is Eric, and one is John. And so what I'd like you to do, at the bottom of your program or on the app, you can fill this out. Take some time right now. We're going to give you some mood music to go ahead and fill this out. One name, two, three, but their lives could change if they were able to connect with God and the church in some way. So go ahead and take some time to do that now. Feeling lonely, this world got a way of showing me. Some days it'll lift you up, some days it'll call you bluff. Man, most of my days I ain't got enough. Okay, so go ahead, write those three names down, and if you would, email them to me, or if they're on the app, they'll actually get sent to me. You can just put those names in, and this is my commitment to you, that the staff and I will be praying for those names, okay? So um, don't just not do it, but remember to send me an email, or you can do it on the app, and we'll do that. Okay, here's the last fear, the fear of the unknown, the fear of the unknown. Uh, Many of you, maybe you go through life and you wonder, uh, what if I have cancer? Uh, What if something happens to one of my kids? What if something happens to our family? What if I lost my job? What if the job that I'm applying for, I don't get? Or maybe some of you are in relationships right now and they're abusive, they're not very good, and you're like, what if I left that relationship? Would I be able to pay for my bills? Uh, Would I be able to... Uh, do things on my own. If I leave this relationship, what if uh, no one ever wants to have uh, a relationship with me again? And there is this fear of the unknown. Now, there are some people that they have a fear of uh, the unknown as well, but it's like this. Everything's going really well in my life, really good right now, but what if it changes? So they're always constantly thinking, What if something bad's coming? Because I know it is. It's going to be coming towards me. What if that happens? So 
How many of you would say, hey, you know what, that's me. I have a fear of the unknown. You can raise your hand, check that off. Now, real quickly, how many of you put down all four? Raise your hand. I am afraid for you, okay? Uh, I'm just joking, just joking. But hey, fear is a real thing, and it has something that impacts our lives. Now, what's interesting is Scripture tells us just the opposite when it comes to fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, it'll come up on the side screen. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let's all read this out loud together uh, with one voice. One, two, three. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Folks, fear is not from God. Fear is from the spiritual enemy. All of our all-loving, all-knowing, all-powerful God has no fear. And yet so many of us become very consumed by fear. We are always worried. We're always anxious. We're always overwhelmed. We're living paralyzed to something that God never created or intended for us to deal with. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so today, this is what I want you to do, is to draw a line in the sand and say, today is the day I quit living in fear. I quit and you quit living in fear. Now, the reality is we're all going to visit fear sometimes, but you don't have to live there. We visit places, but we don't have to actually live in that place. Now, some people will actually say this, that the opposite of fear is faith. That the opposite of fear is faith. But this, this is the truth. I disagree. I disagree. I believe that fear is faith. It's just faith in the wrong thing. Let me say that again. I believe that fear actually is faith. It's just faith in the wrong thing. And in order to quit fear, the first thing we have to do is understand what fear is. And this is our definition that we want to look at today. Our big idea says this. Fear is placing faith in the what-ifs. That's your first fill-in. If you want to, either on the app or in the program. Fear is placing faith in the what-ifs. Now, there's a guy by the name of Moses who was in the Bible, big character in the Old Testament. You might remember the guy who uh, God used to uh, separate uh, the Red Sea and they walked across. And uh, he was given the task to lead a million people out of slavery into a promised land. But he was guilty of the what-ifs, the fear of the what-ifs. So in order to get Moses' attention that he could actually do this, One day, God comes to him in a burning bush. There is this powerful scene where God comes in the presence and he speaks to Moses in a burning bush. And he says, I'm going to use you to deliver my people. And so this powerful moment comes, and this is what Moses says. Let's all read uh, these first two words of this next scripture. Not Moses answered, but the next two. Let's read those together. One, two, three. What if... That's what he says. So here's God. He's just experienced him. And he goes, but God, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? 
And they say, the Lord did not appear to you. After this powerful moment where he experiences the presence of God, God speaking to him, and he begins to start playing the what-if game. And you and I play the what-if game all the time, don't we? We go, what if I lose my job? What if I lose my health? What if I become afraid? What if my spouse cheats on me? What if my kids get hurt? What if I wreck the car? What if I never get married? What if I marry a jerk? What if I can't have kids? What if we have 10 kids? What if our cat gets pregnant one more time? (laughs) Folks, there are just some difficult things that can happen in your life. And what we do is we go on and on and on with the what-if game. Folks, fear is placing faith in the what-ifs. Now, let me ask you this. Why does your what-ifs matter? Why do your what-ifs matter? Well, first of all, the first reason is because what you fear reveals what you value the most. Whatever it is that you have your greatest fear for is what you value the most. For example, if you have fears about your marriage, what that is just saying is that you have a lot of value for your marriage. It's not a bad thing. Or if you have fears for your kids, um, and your kids are important to you, so you have a high value for them, so it's not a bad thing. If you have fears for your finances and losing money, what you value in that is financial security in the future. And so again, not a bad thing. And so what you fear reveals what you value the most. And here's the second reason why your what-ifs matter is because what you fear reveals where you trust God the least. That's good, isn't it? What you fear reveals where you trust God the least. So look at marriage, for instance. If you're fearful for your marriage all the time, guess what? You are not trusting God with your marriage. If you uh, have kids and you're always fearful about your kids and something's going to happen to your kids, guess what? You're not trusting God with your kids. If you're always fearful that something's going to happen to them, that God's not going to protect them, you're worried about it, you're just you're anxious all the time. Basically what you're saying is, God, you know, I know you have a plan and purpose for my kids, but just in case something bad happens because you don't really know it all like I do, I'm going to worry about it. And so you fear about that. If you don't trust God with your finances, basically what you're doing is you're saying, you know what, God, I really don't think you can provide for me, so I'm going to have fears. Because what you fear reveals where you trust God the least. Now, here's what I want you to do right now. There is a little place in your program that there is a blank that I'm not filling in for you. You're going to have to do it yourself. And it's basically this statement. I'm not trusting God with what? Fill in the blank. I'm not trusting God with what? And between now and the end of the celebration, I'm asking that God would reveal to you what is that thing that you are not trusting him with. 
Maybe it's your children, your future, your health, your addiction, someone you love, aging parents, whatever it is, what is it that you're not trusting God with? Now, again, I never ask you guys to do something that I don't do first, and so I thought about it this week. What is the thing that I'm not trusting God with? So let me unpack it. I'm not really afraid that something bad is going to happen to me or to the church. But what I'm afraid of is that I'm not good enough. You see, the thing is, folks, I've never been a part of a church that is as big as the jar is. I grew up in very small churches. I pastored two small churches. And so there is a fear, you might say, of inadequacy for me. What if I don't have the right gifts? What if I can't communicate in such a way that would help crowds of larger people? What if I'm not a good enough leader? And so honestly, um, when I think about thank you, I appreciate it. I need that about uh, 500 times every day. Okay. <clears throat> Let's get a calling team uh, here. But what's the truth is this, folks. When I think about our vision of JAR 2.0 that you can check out on the website or over there, when I think about what God wants to do in the next phase of what we're doing, sometimes I wonder to myself, am I good enough? And I get paralyzed. Now, some of you are looking at me right now and you're like, I knew it was finally going to happen. He's whacked out. Bunch is whacked out. Well, guess what? You whacked out too, okay? Amen. Some of you are some of the wackiest people I know when it comes to fear. So don't, like, come back at me on that. Because sometimes when I think of the future that God has, sometimes I do think that it's just too much. And this reveals what I value. What I value is security, and I want to know exactly what the future holds without taking steps of risk and faith to believe God for greater things. Because I'm not sure that God can do the future things, and that's where I sometimes have a tendency to trust Him the least. So, that's my area. I tried to be as transparent as I could to tell you what my area is. The question is, what is it in your life that you're not trusting God with? Now, for the rest of our time, what I simply want to do is give you two practical how do we face what ifs when it comes to fear. And here's the first one. Acknowledge your fear. Acknowledge your fear. How do we face the what ifs in life? You acknowledge your fear and then you choose to trust in God. You acknowledge your fear. In other words, folks, you don't live in denial. You don't pull off somewhere, put your fingers in your ears and go, la, 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 this is not happening. I'm not feeling this. No, no, no. You're feeling it. You're feeling whatever that fear is. You can't avoid it. You can't ignore it. It's true. It's there. But honestly, what you have to do is you have to acknowledge it and not live in denial. You choose to do that. You just choose to say, God even though this is a fear, I'm choosing to trust in you. I'm acknowledging it, and I'm choosing to trust in you. Now, there's a guy in the Bible by the name of David who was the greatest king of the Old Testament, and he was a person who understood this in a very amazing way. Uh, the very first king of Israel was a guy by the name of Saul. 
But God wasn't having it with Saul, and so he goes and he tells this guy named David, I'm going to make you the new king. Now, what do you think that did for Saul? Ticked him off. He starts getting threatened by David. And he gets so mad that he says, we're going to take him out. He releases all of his military. Go find David and kill him. It'd be like the president of the United States saying, you know what? We're going to go find you wherever it's at. Navy, Air Force, Marines, Army. We're sending them all dead or alive. I want him and I want him now. And this was David's reality. So this is what David did. What would he do? This is what he did. Psalm 56. We read David's words. He says, my slanders pursue me all day long. That's the reality of the situation. All day, all night, they are pursuing him to try to kill him. And this is what he says. Many are attacking me in their pride. And then I love this next part, this honesty. He says, when I am afraid. He doesn't say I'm never dealing with fear, but he says, when I am afraid. In other words, when it's too much, when I'm overwhelmed, when I'm afraid for my kids, when I'm afraid for the future, when I am afraid, David says, I will trust in you, God. By faith, I choose to put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. And then he says this, so amazingly, I will not be afraid of what mortal man can do to me. Let's say that out loud together. Just that last phrase, starting with, I will not be afraid to the end. One, two, three. I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? David says, I'm choosing you, God. I don't care what's going on. I'm going to choose you. I'm going to see you through this because what can mortal man do to me? Well, let me ask you this. What can mortal man do to you? He can do a lot. Can he? So like for David, mortal man could kill him, could torture him, imprison him, make him miserable forever. And yet David goes from thinking about something temporary. And this is what's so cool. He's like, what can mortal man do to me? Okay, I know he can do a lot of things, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop living in the temporary world, and I'm going to have an internal perspective of what God can do for me. And what he's saying is, you know what? Even if the worst comes to me, ultimately, I'm going to put my trust in God. There's nothing that anyone can do to me eternally. He's like nothing that man can do. He he can't take away God's goodness. He can't take away God's forgiveness. He cannot take away his love. He cannot take away his grace. He cannot take away his purpose for my life. Folks, I want to challenge you today that the first thing when you're dealing with fear is you acknowledge the fear and then you choose to trust God no matter what. Because for me, this is what I've found. The farther I am away from God, the more what-ifs I have about the world. But the closer that I am to God, the less what-ifs I have about this world. Here's the second thing that I would encourage you to do as you face the what-ifs of fear. How do you do that? You seek 
God. You seek Him. You run after Him. You seek Him until He takes away your fears. You seek Him until He takes away your fears. You seek Him in the Word. That's why the Bible is so important. It's a love letter, folks. It's not to beat you over the head. It's a love letter from God to let you know that He's present. You seek Him in prayer. You seek Him in small groups. Some of you really need to commit to being a part of a small group or a small group connector today. After church, you get at lunch, get to know some people. Do that so you don't do life alone. You commit to having some people around you to say, hey, we're here. You seek out God and you have other people pray for you. Seek Him day and night. Look at what Psalm 34, 4 says. Again, this is David speaking. He says this, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from how many fears? All All my fears. I sought the Lord and he delivered me from all my fears. He removed them. He got rid of them. In the first year of our marriage, um, my wife Jennifer and I were uh, separated by distance. I uh, lived in Lafayette, Indiana, and she lived here in Muncie. She was doing her first year of medical school, uh, medical school uh, which is a very different kind of thing. She wished she had skills at that point, but she had none, okay? But she was going to medical school to learn about skills in medicine. And she was you know, really freaked out by the process of her and I being separated, which you can imagine. Now, this is what was different. I am pastoring two small churches near Lafayette, Indiana, and I have tons of community of people around me who are encouraging me and building me up. Jennifer is in a community where she literally knows no one except for fellow students And if you've ever been around first-year medical students, basically, they just freak out all the time. And if they don't, they flunk out. So, you know, you're either freaking out or flunking out, one of the two. And so the, the second piece here is that while she's going through this, she is all by herself in Applegate Apartments, and she doesn't know anybody. And every day, she's going home by herself. And... After a few weeks and a few months, all of a sudden the isolation and all of the separation between her and I, because we only saw each other one day a week, really started creating some fears in her life. Fears on whether or not she could pass the classes. Fears of failure. Fears of loss. Fears of the future. Fears even of death. And all of this hit a climax when... One particular night, we went to my parents' house who lived in Anderson, Indiana. And we were having dinner together. And usually at the end of dinner, Jen is typically the one who is kind of, you know, helping with getting everything done. That's just her natural thing. And she walks upstairs. And I'm still doing uh, all the dishes and helping my mom and dad out. And then all of a sudden, I started hearing this weeping. That's upstairs. I remember going up those stairs, and I walked into my parents' bathroom, and my wife is laid out on the floor, and she's weeping and crying in a way that you realize that there is sorrow so deep 
that she can't even hardly communicate it. And then all I'll, I'll never forget this. All she kept saying was, Chris, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. I'm dying. I'm dying. And the fear of depression had consumed her so much that she was done. And the next day, we took her to a doctor. She got on some meds. We got her to some counseling. And I don't know how, but by the grace of God, somehow she got through that first year. When we moved, because she got moved to the Lafayette campus after that, her books were still in cellophane. Now, this is what you would think. Oh, well, she got some medication. She got some counseling. All of her fears went away, right? No, they didn't. She was able to function. She wasn't on a floor, but the fear was still there. And then you know what she started to do, folks, that changed her life? She sought God. She sought God every single day. She didn't care if she was ever going to be a doctor, ever. But what she wanted was so badly to be set free from fear. And she sought God in the Word. She started praying. She started journaling. I was the pastor of a church, and I'm like, she has more faith than I have. This isn't fair. You know? And she's like seeking God and seeking God and seeking God. And she just has this like faith that is overwhelming. And this is all I can say. That when I saw her on that floor, she had every fear in her life all on there. And because of the grace of God and that she sought God constantly, that fear has not visited my wife in over 20 years. Folks, whenever you're facing fear, seek God. Just close your eyes in that moment when you feel the fear and the stress and the anxiety. And you just say, God, here it is. This is what I'm feeling. This is my fear, but I'm releasing it to you. On a regular basis, folks, I'll have a visit of fear. That Satan is trying to tempt me to think that I'm not enough, I'm not adequate enough for the future. And so in those moments I'll say, God, this is what I'm feeling, but I'm releasing this to you. And then I remind myself, God, you're enough for today. I don't have to think about next week or next month or next year or next decade or what my legacy is going to be. That's how messed up I am. When I'm 65, what will people say about Christmas? Will the jar even be around? What kind of impact will it have? Those are fears that I have. And God says, Chris, that's two decades. You can't even hardly make it today, dude. Seek me. And so in those moments, I take my future and I go, God, your future is my future. But my future, God, is in your hands. I'm giving it to you. And I seek him to try to know him and trust him with all that I am. Folks, I don't know what your fear is, but you know. But this is what I know. There have been times in my life in which I have been a slave to fear. 
But God doesn't want us to be slaves to fear. And so recently as I was studying all this, there was a, a song that's played by Jen Johnson and Bethel Music talking about, I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I'm a child of God. Now I remember reading that scripture in 1 Timothy. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And when we're fearful all the time, folks, we don't have a sound mind. We don't have power to overcome it. And that's why God says, well, that's what I never gave you. So give it to me. So you're no longer a slave of fear, but you see yourself as I see you, as my most precious, honored child. And so what I'd like to do right now is just give you a moment to listen to these words that Derek's going to play for us, that you're not a slave of fear, but you are a child of the Most High God. You unravel me with a melody Surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God
God, we thank you so much for reminding us today, God, that we do not have to live in fear. That you've reminded us, God, that you did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God, help us not to live as slaves anymore. But today, remind us that we don't have to live with the what-ifs. That maybe because of you, God, we could actually turn the what-ifs around. The what-ifs that say, what if I was set free from fear? What if today is the day I give myself fully to Christ? What if today is the day that God has prepared a miracle for my life? Today, God, I have no doubt that there are people who are sitting here, though, that even as I speak, that they're wondering, I don't know the what if, Chris. I don't know. I just have this fear in my life. Maybe it's one or two or three. But quietly, maybe just in faith, maybe if you don't believe it, that God would say, you can do it. Just just come to me right now and say, God, I no longer want to be hostage of this fear set me free God and if today is the day that you want that with every eye closed every head bowed that you just raise your hand to God and say God this is my fear you know what it is that you God would take it away from me just lift your hand to God God I pray right now for each person who is here I pray that you would remove their spirit of fear around this area God, we know that fear is not from you because you have not given us the spirit of fear. And so right now, God, I pray that through the power of your son, Jesus, I pray that you would free people from their fears. You can put your hands down. And now maybe you're sitting there right now and you're thinking, you know what? Fear's all up in my life. And I'll tell you the reason why it is, because you don't have a relationship with the one who can take away your fear. You've never made a commitment to Christ. You've never said, Jesus, forgive me of all of my sins. But what you could do right now is you could acknowledge your sins. You could share what your mess-ups are, your mistakes, and He will forgive everything. And He will cast away your sins to the sea of forgetfulness. And today, you could be a brand new person in Christ. So if you're ready to call out to Jesus today and say, I want to know you. I want to serve you. I want to surrender my life. I want the fear to be gone and for you to guide my life. I invite you to repeat after me this prayer. That God would transform your life. And we never pray here alone at the jar. We always pray together. But you just repeat this prayer after me. But it's your prayer. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I am a sinner. I need a Savior. Jesus, save me. Make me new. Set me free from my fears. Thank you, God, for forgiving me making me new, adopting me into your family. I belong to you. I choose you. I trust you with my whole life. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. 
Amen. Hey, let's give a hand to everybody who said that prayer uh, for the first time. And here's No Fear Jen right here. So there you go. If you said that prayer for the first time, we're so excited. Um, and we would like to invite you to stop in the back. There's a place for you to get, just connect, to um, get a Bible. We have a gift for you. Um, and we also want you to take a moment to pull out your Connect card. And on the back, there's a place for you to check if today you accepted Christ. We want to celebrate that with you. So go ahead and everyone pull out your Connect card. It should be inside your program. If you haven't had a chance to fill it out, we invite you to do that now. Um, just kind of put your information on the front side and on the back there's a place to put prayer requests. This is just so that we can stay connected with you and for you to stay connected with us and also so that we can remember you and your family um, in uh, our prayers this week. Um, all prayer requests are held in confidence and the prayer team does meet every week and prays over each one of these. So um, as you have a chance to fill that out, I'm going to go ahead and ask the greeters to come forward. We are going to receive an offering this morning. And if you're new to the jar, we are not about pressuring. We don't want you to feel any pressure to give at all. We're more concerned about getting to know you, uh, and we're definitely not about pressuring you to give. If you do call the jar your church home and you come regularly, and um, uh, God has given freely to you, so we just ask that you would pray and, and give freely as God leads you this morning. So pray with me as we bless this offering. God, we thank you so much for this morning that you've given us and the way you've come and that you have sent your Holy Spirit to teach us. We're so grateful for that. And God, we just ask that you would bless this offering as it hits the bag and that it would be multiplied in such a way that we would be able to use it for the greatest impact for your kingdom because we really do desire to be about your work and impacting people uh, for you. And so God, we just ask that you would bless this offering in each heart and each person that gives. And we thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. If you haven't had a chance to do this yet, and you've started to come to JAR recently, and, and you've just not stopped by there yet, we do invite you um, to stop at our guest connections table, which is out there at the back. Becky's waving, and she would like to smile and greet you and give you a free gift. No strings attached. We just want you to know that you are welcome here and that we're so glad that you have uh, chosen to come to the JAR. Um, there's always a lot happening at the JAR, so I do invite you to um, look through your program. You can check out our app on our website. Um, uh, you, you can download the app through the App Store or Google Play, but you can also get to our website and find out information. Um, you can even fill out your Connect card next time on the app if you want to download that. So, um, again, just check all of that out for different announcements. I wanted to reiterate what Chris was saying about the Jamaica team. They are um, having an informational meeting on February 11th at 10:15. so right in between the two celebrations. There is no obligation to attend the trip. It's simply an information meeting so if you're even kind of thinking about it and just want to learn a little bit more about it go to that meeting just stop by it'll be very short and they can kind of give you some more information and see um, if God's leading you to be a part of that um, or any other part of the mission experiences you see our insert in our in our program today take a look at that see if God's leading you to be a part of anything involved in our mission team. Um, Mitch is sitting back at the missions team table. If you want to have a, an opportunity to ask any questions or just find out a little bit more about the different things that our missions team does, then stop by and talk to Mitch. We want you to be able to do that. So anybody um, struggle with finances? 
feel like you're struggling with debt, and sometimes it's hard to just get ahead, right? Um, I've definitely been there. Um, And so we want to be able to help you with that. So we have something called Financial Peace University, and that's starting, it'll it'll meet every Monday starting on February 26th, and it costs $93, but it's a nine-week program, and there have been so many people in our church that have attended Financial Peace University and had amazing outcomes. They've saved uh, money, and they've reduced their debt by tens and tens and thousands of dollars. And so um, we've seen a tremendous impact for people who have been struggling with finances um, who have attended this program. And so um, just if you're interested in it, you can sign up on the app, the website, um, and or you can ask folks at the resource table about it. But we do invite you to participate in that as well. Um, there... Let's see. Oh, my word. There's just so much to tell you about today. Uh, at this time, I'm going to go ahead and have the prayer team come on up. And if you, if you need prayer for anything um, today, we just invite you to come and pray with these people. They would love to be able to share in your life and what's going on in your life. And so um, we just invite you to come and have prayer with them. And then I do want one more reminder. Um, Those of you who knew that we were uh, having Group Connect today, we're having that right after, and that's going to be in the um, exercise room. Lunch and child care are provided, so if you're interested in connecting for a small group, come to Group Connect today. Good job. (laughs) I think that's it. (laughs) All right. Hey, let's stand, and uh, we'll get out of here. Um, hey, if you need prayer for anything, come up here. These people would love to pray for you. Uh, if you accepted Christ today, stop by the table in the back. Uh, get a free Bible. We'll be able to encourage you. And live this week, folks. Not with what ifs, okay? Not with what ifs, but to be set free from fear. You're no longer a slave of fear. You're a child of God. Have a great week, everybody. Know you're loved in this place.